1: Tech
0: Central. Are you doing? Welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast, bringing you news in tech from around Ireland and, of course, around the world. Remember, you can hear us on air with RTE Friday evenings or any time you like with your favorite podcasting app from Apple, Google, or Spotify. We also keep you bang up to date daily with all things tech, with hourly updates and daily newsletters, which you can grab for free at TechCentral.ie. Now, you know all of those little uh, websites with their popping up with their little right to privacy and cookies and all that kind of stuff. Fascinating interview for you on the show coming in about 10 minutes time. Uh, But first, to open up programme number 338, it's our editor-in-chief, Niall Kitson. Excited about the brand new iPhone, are you? Yeah, well, quick plug for
2: Matt's Week, which is ongoing. Uh, It wraps up, I think, uh, Saturday, Sunday-ish. Great fun for anyone that uh, needs to buy brush up on their mathematics or is kind of interested to know where the subject is going, mathsweek.ie.
0: Let's get that out of the way. Right. You, you, you should be a politician. You ask a question. Well, just first, can I just mention Maths Week? <laughs> <laughs> Fair play to you. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And we did talk about it last week and it is a, yeah. a, an amazing thing. But listen, the uh, the big headline in tech this week is the iPhone 12. What did you think? It is. OK,
2: right. Well, I, had a, I watched the announcement live uh, which is to say live, you know, like it's... You, it's, you watched the, the play out live. Yeah. I watched the play out live and it was a very slick production. Uh, I have to say, did you watch it yourself? No, I didn't. No. Okay. And actually,
0: funny enough, I didn't watch it because I knew it was going to be a play out. Right. OK. And I just find that it, it's, it's like with everybody's doing Zoom and then all of these things are being pre-recorded and they're being put out and it misses the live, something could go wrong
2: aspect well, and something has been known to go wrong
0: at, at these things. Yeah, so. you Ab- um, Absolutely. It anyways, is. you watched it. You're sitting there. Um, tell me what went through your head. I watched it. I was sitting there and I was thinking about the
2: the rumors that had been swirling, some of them fairly innocuous and fairly kind of obvious. And some of them kind of, oh, if that came to pass, that'd be really good. Um, the top of my list on things that I wanted to come to pass was a redesign uh, and we got it. And on this show, we've talked an awful lot about in time that devices Apple did that were too good, um, too too good for their own good, if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, and I think we know what my favorite iPhone has been throughout the years. Uh, the iPhone 4S. 4S, yes. Such a huge fan of it. Uh, and it's great to see that that design is, uh, has returned with the iPhone 12. So that immediately got my attention because it showed that, wow, they've on like i mean they've they found something that really worked uh, that really mm. made the iphone kind of unique and um, because you look at the current iphone uh works very well but i mean eh, it's, it's a bit samey compared to the competition now i mean it needs something special to to really make it stand out and i think with this design apple have you know they've they've gone back to something that really worked for them I'm not going to say went back to their roots as such, because it was a fourth generation. But, you know, they went back to something that really worked, that was really interesting. And they've crammed all this new tech into it. So in terms of a first impression, I was I was on board. I was there. What about you?
0: Uh, I, uh, I am very impressed, actually, with the fact that uh, they've put 5G into all of them. Yes. And in fact, actually what they've done is because they've got the, they've got the four, they've got the, the main iPhone, then they've got a smaller, cheaper version, which they call the, the mini. And then they've got a bigger version called the Pro. And then if you really want to blow it, you've got the Pro Max. But in all of those, uh, they've put in not only 5G, but they've put in the uh, MMWave 5G.
2: Yeah, no, so, that's that's in the Pro as opposed to just the regular uh, iPhone 12 and the, the 12 mini. So the, the 12 and the 12 mini have the five gigahertz whereas the pro has the six as well if you can explain the difference
0: okay well basically 5g works very similar to 4g so you've got towers and all that kind of stuff uh, uh, nearby uh, but where the mm wave 5g works is that when you've got like a wi-fi router or something sitting very close to you and it's able to communicate that way and it's able to communicate much, 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 much faster than just kind of like regular 5G. It's like you've got two versions of 5G, one's super fast and one's just fast. Um and they're both in in in, in the phone. And what I liked about that was the fact that <laughs> nobody really is 5G at the moment. I mean, there are all of the different companies, three are coming out and air coming out and say we've got it in every county in the in the country and stuff like that, but You know, uh, do you know anybody with 5G? Uh, I don't because... No, offhand, I don't. But in two or three or four years, it's certainly going to become more and more mainstream. And what I liked about what Apple did is the fact that they're putting in uh, the 5G now means that they're future-proofing the phone for you.
2: Yeah, in a way that maybe they hadn't thought of doing before. Apple's thing has generally been, okay. let's see how other people are doing it and we'll do it our way. Mm. Uh, not doing it that this time. They're they're going they're being much more aggressive in terms of the technology that is coming out. So mm. uh for size, uh where we've got on the 12 6.1 inches and 5.4 inches with the mini. 5.4 inch screen with a mini. Like, come on, like that's that's nuts. The pro has 6.1 inches and 6.7 inches. Well and, and here's a few interesting differentiators that mm. you know will make You know, I I think as technology people, we immediately gravitate to something called Pro. You know, if something sounds like a better version, we immediately gravitate towards it. Um, And that's not necessarily the case with the iPhone 12. It's like they've differentiated the market as well as the feature set. Right. So in the same way that the 16 inch MacBook came out, and was reassuringly expensive in that, look, if you're not a media creator, you probably don't need this. The way the Pro has come out and the way they're marketing it, it's got that, yeah, if you're a regular user, you don't need this, right? So uh, the 12 comes in black, white, red, green, blue, uh, an aluminium cover, um, super retina XDR display, ceramic shield, which they say is four times tougher than the last generation of Corning Glass. Mm-hmm. uh a a14 bionic chip which i think is the same one in the pro as well uh and some of the really interesting stuff that i saw um the magsafe magsafe has
0: returned what do you think of magsafe now this is kind of interesting all right because i i did i <laughs> I I liked and I hated MagSafe, all right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I really liked MagSafe because it was just great. The way it just kind of clips to the side of your laptop and if somebody accidentally pulls it or whatever, and da-da-da, I know that was fantastic, all right? Mm -hmm. Uh, What I didn't like about it was that Apple are the only one doing it, so if you needed to replace that one little lead, it was going to cost you like €100. Um... I like the fact that they, they they have it on the phone and for charging and all that kind of stuff it makes it much faster which is fantastic but they're also selling it as a kind of like you know well there's a magnet now on the back of your phone and you can get a little wallet and stick your credit card in it and stick that to the back of the phone
2: Yeah I saw now, that now. would
0: you really stick your passport card or your credit card or your driver's license just to the back of the phone with nothing but a magnet holding it
2: No Absolutely no. not Absolutely not
0: <laughs> But Uh, I think for for charging and if if it makes it charging faster, well, well and good.
2: Yeah. And there is there is quite a few third party uh, chargers coming out, which does mean once and for all, we can stop speculating about air power because it's this is it. I mean, and yeah. Air Power had such promise when Apple mm. showed it off first. They're like, look, you've got three devices and you can have it on here and you know, it'll uh. work really well. Um, well, I mean, not necessarily, duh. but I mean, unless you have some sort of magnet involved mm. now, I mean, it's not It's really going to work. You see it with smartwatch chargers now all over the place. But um, I was really impressed to see the MagSafe chargers. Uh, some of the third-party versions, um, third-party accessories, I think look pretty good that you'll be mm-hmm. able to charge three devices at, at once. I think Mm -hmm. is is pretty nice. Now,
0: listen, kind of speaking of that, right, there there, there was a little bit of contention. Okay. And a little bit of disappointment. Uh, Where do you sit on the fact that Apple will now supply you with the phone, uh, but no earphones and no charger in the box? Yeah. Now, okay, here here we go.
2: The charger that the 12 and 12 Pro will use is Lightning to USB 3. Right. Now, uh, sorry, USB-C. If it was... USB-C to, you know, mini or two open standards, um, that would be one thing. And maybe we'll see that down the line. At the moment, we're still seeing a, a proprietary connector to an open connector, which still means that you've got to have uh, an Apple um, an Apple cable, mm-hmm. uh, I suppose, or, or a small adapter um, for your USB-C end. But I do have quite a few plugs about the place with USB connections. Um, and I did have quite a few, I do have quite a few cables around the place, but they're all mm. micro USB to, um, to a USB. So, uh, on the one level, I think, uh, right. I see where they're going, coming from, but I don't have that many, uh, earbud, uh, to lightning US uh, lightning connectors. I think I just yeah. have the one. So I think it's very much, I think it's more to do with their green credentials
0: than making things convenient. I I kind of, I buy the fact that they say that, you know, everybody's got USB chargers lying all over the house in drawers and stuff like that. And that absolutely is true. Mm -hmm. yeah. but how many have got the high wattage USB-C chargers lying around the house?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, eventually those chargers are going to become obsolete or broken Mm -hmm. or burnt out or whatever. So Mm -hmm. what happens, you know, down the road
0: eventually? What do you have to do? Mm -hmm. Buy an Um, Apple thing? Well, exactly. Well, actually, and, and, I, and I will kind of tip the hat slightly, only slightly at Apple, because normally if you're going to buy earphones, you're going to buy a charge from Apple, it's 30 quid. Uh, they've taken a tenner off that. So now it's 20 quid if you want to buy a separate charge or buy a separate headphones. I think they would have done better to just charge a tenner for it because that's all it's worth. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, this is all part of the grand strategy to get us wearing airpods as well so
0: <gasps> no surely not
2: <laughs> when, when you get a phone it's just a gateway device to airpods
0: you mean I'm being played by one of the big tech companies of the world no, no. I trust them <laughs> whoever would have thought yeah <laughs> there you go that's what's happening All right. There you go. Well, anyway, listen, it's good to see. You. We're both impressed with the uh, uh, the Apple iPhone 12, which was announced this week. And that is pretty much it for the uh, news for this week. So thanks now. This is Tech Central, your weekly tech podcast from Ireland's techcentral.ie. We're all familiar with the cookie warning on websites, reminding us of our right to privacy and this and that and the other. Well, not everybody has been keeping up and the six month grace period for getting that warning in place on websites is officially over. David McAvoy is founder of DMAC Media and he explained to Niall Kitson how cookies can make your business crumble.
1: So
2: Dave, tell us a little bit about DMAC Media. For, for one, you're not based in Dublin, which is a good start.
1: Yes, yeah, we're we're a Sligo-based company, so we we've been here. We we kicked off, I suppose, as as free a freelance loose partnership in two thousand and six, and then became a limited company in two thousand and eight. So twelve plus years, um, web development with specialities in e-commerce and digital marketing um, is the core of the business. So very much online, very much into the, the small business SME sectors um, right across the country, and just getting them to. To basically get better control or better management of a digital footprint, just we, we find ourselves playing as much as an educational role as anything else. So, yeah, there's, there's the team of twelve down here in Sligo, and Sligo is becoming a small bit of a technology hub in its own right. So it's, it's great to see it growing. There's more and more companies like us springing up around. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the basics of EMAC.
2: Yeah, and you, you sort of made uh, some some national headlines earlier this year by your own efforts to pitch in to help companies during the uh, coronavirus outbreak.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, when when things really kind of blew up in, in March, um, we were looking at it. So for a company like us, and um, because our work is online, it was very. Simple by comparison to most, for us to transition to work from home, you know, online uh, basis, we were we were fully online as it stood anyway. So it was simple, but we did recognize that there was a lot of people. Uh, struggling to do, make that change struggling to, to get get to the digital tools in particular we noticed frontline um, the big job particularly in March when we were all still trying to figure out what was going on the huge job of, of a lot of people were to get the information out to, to advise this is what's happening with, with our residents this is, this is how you now have to, to deal with particularly like the likes of pharmacies GPs you know, that tradition of just wander, walking into your GPs and, and looking for an appointment was no longer possible. So we just, we made a really simple offer because we're doing this all day, every day for all of our own clients. We just said anybody who's, you know, has a website and is on the front lines so of pharmacies, GPs, hospitals, etc., anybody who needs any kind of help updating or getting information out on that site, we're happy to pitch in. So, and we got a very good response from particularly pharmacies. They were they were quite because For them, they were dealing with the general public day-to-day and they yeah. definitely needed to, Update information, so it was. Look, it was a simple thing for us to do, and it was. fortunate fortunate, yes, it got a bit of attention. It was always nice to get a bit of attention, but it was. We were just looking at what what's our contribution? How are we going to help with that kind of effort? So, and it seemed to have, have made an impact. So, it was good.
2: Very very healthy piece a piece of business to to do there as well. Uh, of course, of course, yeah. GDPR is your business. Um, So we've just passed, uh, as I'm talking to you now, a very significant deadline of the 5th of October. Um, So tell us exactly what happened and how this is going to affect small businesses or businesses in general.
1: Yeah, so I suppose this goes all the way back to 2011 when legislation was first passed in regards to to cookie management, privacy, etc. It it came into much sharper focus then in 2018 with the, the General Data Protection Regulation coming in. And specifically, there were there were references there to, to cookie management, and it really comes down to consent. In that, the the shift has come for rather than any company being able to assume consent for any kind of of um, use of data, they had to specifically ask for consent, particularly if that was for use um, for a tertiary or a third purpose. So, you know, if you if you need data to, in order to, to function, it, so if someone is buying something off you and you need to deliver it to them, you need their name and their email address, their phone, etc. But if you then use that data to market to them after the map, in fact, that's not critical to the running of your business. And equally it wasn't critical to the transaction that took place between you and that customer. So traditionally that data has just been used by marketing people, you know, internal, external, uh, used by companies like Google and Facebook, you know, lots of, of personal data, behavior, etc., has just been used to to be more effective at marketing. And the GDPR brought in that that is that's now something we have to give permission for. That shouldn't happen by default. Um, so then, fast forward to 2020. The, in April, there was a, a cookie sweep basically, um, where our own data protection analysed and looked at at how people were managing uh, cookies in particular and found that there was, there was almost no compliance, or there was a complete lack of understanding about compliance. So to be helpful, they issued guidance. So they haven't changed any legislation as such. There, there isn't new regulations. These are the regulations that have been in place for years. But they issued guidance on and Explained, look, this is what this has to look like. So your compliance has to be like this. The, you know you have to identify what cookies you use and why and what are their purpose. You have to allow me to reject or, or to to not accept um Third party cookies tracking, etc. It's not a default anymore. So the guidance came out, and they said, right, well, this is the new guidance. This is updated information, and we want everybody to comply by the fifth of October. So from the sixth on, you need to have everything together." So that's really what changed. Obviously, the year that we've had, we felt it too really under the radar, um, particularly with the smaller business. I do know there's plenty of larger organisations that were very much on top of it and then getting their house in order. But for the smaller business operators, for, which is a big part of our customer base, it very much flew under the radar. They didn't get picked up or, or didn't get noticed. Obviously, the, the news cycles were quite full of COVID, so it's, it's understandable that that happens. But we just felt that there wasn't really an awareness of, of what changes had to be made.
2: Do you think there was an element of fire and forget about this, that people were like, OK, we have the website set up. That's grand. We don't really need to monitor for, uh, monitor it, But besides maybe the the occasional you know, security update. But even then, let's just have that automated and we won't need, really need to worry about the back end so long as the orders come in.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's Part of it is just lack of awareness, um, y- you know. A huge part of our goals is based on that, and as I often say to my customers, when they're saying, "Well, we, we don't know about that or we don't understand that," I'm I'd often tell them that I'm delighted because if they if they understood it as well as we do, we wouldn't be employed. So there was the part of it was unawareness, but yes, definitely, um, particularly back in 2018, everybody was aware that they had to have a cookie message, so there had to be this little pop up that appeared and told them that she use cookies. But it was very much a, a fire and forget because once they got the cookie message, that for them. That was compliance. That was great. We've got the cookie message box ticked. That's fine. The problem that came from that and what the sweep exposed is that the cookie message is just part of that process. It it has to give more control to the users. And that requires someone to assess and identify for themselves what cookies they're using, why, and give control and options to people to to switch on or off or or set or unset these cookies as, as as the site loads equally it shouldn't affect the, the user's ability to actually use that site so and that that was a, a clear distinction that was drawn that the what are classed as essential cookies so cookies almost all websites use cookies cookies are, are used for things like shopping carts when you add a an item to your basket on a, a website that information is stored in what's called a session cookie, so or at least in some cases it's a session cookie. So that's an essential cookie that you couldn't shop on a website without that. So and that's not what this this guidance and that that's not what this is about. That has to be loaded to a user's device in order for the site to function. However. The third-party tracking cookie, or the Facebook pixel cookie, that all it does is record the behavior of that user and feed that back to Facebook in order for Facebook to improve its marketing efforts and for you to be more effective in your marketing efforts, that's not essential. So, people would put the cookie banner up and they would say, right, box ticked, that's us. So, as you say, fire and forget. But what the guidance that came out in April has shown is that that's not good enough. That's definitely not what was intended with the, the GDPR as a whole, and specifically around cookie management. That's
2: nowhere near good enough. Mm. And uh, what we're seeing in some websites is, you know, a very detailed message that comes up and says, look, here's the following trackers or Here are the, here's the following cookies that we're using. Uh, These are our defaults. Uh, of course, you have control over them, but it is quite unwieldy and it can interfere with the user experience. So how do you explain to a company that, look, this is the depth of control that you're going to have to give people, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're going to lose a sale. It just means... This is kind of the—I don't want to say the new normal because it's—it's it's being applied to uh, so many <laughs> yeah. contexts. But you know, this is the way that you're going to have to deal with things. Yeah. And yes, there might be problems at the user experience end. But look, you know, if you want to protect yourself, this is what you have to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's—it's going to become more about protecting the customers. But in essence, that—that's that, a UX challenge. It's—it's down to the the design and layout, and, and the way they implement the cookies, there's, there's nothing to say that the, the cookie banners and messaging have to dominate the screen. They have to be clear and obvious to the to the site visitor. They have to to make a choice, um, or they've been asked to make a choice, but they should be able to interact with the site without dismissing that banner. And that, that's one of the key points that we've found, is that you don't force someone to make a choice, particularly if that choice is accept all or, or accept. I should be able to use any site without... Interacting with that cookie message at all, because that's you just giving me advice on what you do. The default position should be that only the essential cookies are are loaded, so only only things that are needed. And that's what that message should be: is that we're loading the essentials. I know for our own sites, and I know my digital marketing team were were and and will continue to be frustrated by it. But when you visit our site, the the cookie message is there to tell you we're we've only loaded the essentials. Nothing has been loaded. We we won't so much as track uh, a click. Through this site, unless you actively engage with the settings and switch that on or enable that for us, because it's it's their data, it's not our data. You know, their behavior is their is, is their, their business. We don't have a, a default right to that. So, so I'd say two things: one, it's a UX challenge for sure, but two, and again, to avoid that new normal phrase, it is going to become the standard. Um, that's it's it's what people will be used to seeing with with websites. So, and again, this goes right back to. You know, late 90s, early 90s, when we saw, saw websites, a lot of what you see online and a lot of the way websites are structured are not necessarily because they're the best possible way for them to be structured. It's what we got used to, um, and then it's, it's what we interact with. So we expect to see a shopping cart icon if we're on an online shop. We expect to see a search bar. We expect them to be in certain positions. We expect those three lines in the, you know, the top corner of the, the mobile to present a menu. Those three lines don't mean many; they, they never did. But it's what was used, and therefore it's what has become that norm. It's what's become standard. So, if every site I visit gives me this this uh, cookie management option, then if I get to a site that doesn't have it, that's the oddity. And and if and as people become more aware of of their privacy and data and and how they manage that it will eventually become a a red flag in the same way that an unsecure site is now a red flag. If you get to a site that's asking for credit card details and you don't see that padlock or if it doesn't say that it's secure, you're you're concerned, and people are getting more aware of that. So what i would be saying is it's, it's something we all have to adapt to. Yes, there's challenges, but good UX and good design will overcome that, and ultimately it'll show you as a credible site as opposed to something that should be suspect
2: one thing that we know about uh, sort of the state of SMEs and their their digital efforts in Ireland at the moment is that I I think it's still like 40% of Irish businesses don't have their own website and can't process orders online perhaps even more than that Um, if somebody comes to you and they say look we know the way things are with COVID. We we still have an important product or service that we want to sell. Um, okay, what well, what can you do for us? At what stage do you introduce the uh, the conversation or the the necessity of security and cookies into the equation? If you have somebody that's coming to you looking for a. a basically a shopping cart or a, a very linear uh, user experience that you have to say, well, look, you've also got these other considerations to, to bring in. Like at what stage do you see people's eyes start to glass over and, and wonder if this, is, if this is going to be more more trouble than it's worth?
1: Um, we, for us, we've adapted the, the policy of it's it is a default in that we will not do it any other way. So it, the, the conversation for people who have had to upgrade or migrate to this new uh, methodology or, or adapt these new techniques, that's a more involved conversation because they were used to doing it a certain way or, or allowing a certain way, and now they're they're having to change. But for a new entrant, and this year, obviously, and I think that figure will have dramatically shifted by, by the time this year is finished. Um, we, we've seen an absolute... Yeah. huge increase in small businesses of all sorts um, moving online. That's and So I, I would imagine that that number is going to be below 20%, possibly even below 10% by the end of the year. In, in some form, we've all had to adapt. But when they come, for us, it's, this is the standard. This is how a website is built in the same way that we, we don't really discuss the mechanics of how the shopping cart works because it has to work in a very particular way. Um, they don't particularly care for that matter. It's as long as the person can put an item in their cart, get to the checkout, and then pay for it. That's that's their concern. So, cookie management and privacy is the same thing. And again, that that's the key thing that this doesn't affect the essential operation of any websites. That's that, that's really important. What it will do is change the way and where in in how you market to those customers before, during, and after their, their purchase process. So it's a conversation for sure. We we make them aware of it. But our job is to make sure that they are 100% compliant. And after that, if they choose then to, to move away from compliance, that's that's between them and staff protection officials, etc. It's not. For us, it's a default. You must be. There's no such thing as nearly compliant or almost compliant. It's you're either compliant or you're not. Our job is to make sure that from the get-go you are compliant. After that, the, site pass, the ownership of that site passes to you. You've been briefed and trained. You know what's required, and really it's up to them if they then decide to deviate from that. And Thankfully, and what I would say is the vast majority of people we've come across, um, either customers or, or inquiries or people just asking for, for advice. They are all moving towards compliance. They understand the importance of it. Um, I think it's a technical challenge for them in that they're not quite sure how to be compliant. So, it's it's definitely a, part, a bigger part of the conversation that was pre 2018. But it's it's more of a default part of the conversation. In the same way, you need a credit card processor to take credit card payments. You, if you have a website, you have to have cookie management. It's it's just that simple.
2: Some people uh, tend to have this fear of the Office of the, the Data Protection Commissioner that, that people see these massive fines being levied against the multinationals. We see companies being being hit with 50 million euro fines uh, all the way down to, I think the smallest fine that was levied was uh, a whole 90 euro, which a hotel in Hungary got hit with. Um, what is your perspective on the Office of the Data Protection Commissioner? They, they seem to be marketing themselves, for, for want of a better term, as uh, an advisory uh, body is as, as much as uh, a punitive one so if if you come into contact with the office should you be worried or should you see them as a, as a resource to make to help you become compliant
1: uh, the latter I w- would definitely say that's my experience with them um, thankfully we haven't had any uh, serious breaches ourselves and, and touch with that continues long into the future but we we have had clients who have been affected um very much what they want is to help people comply. Um, I would very much see the, the Data Protection Commission, they're an advocate for us. They're either an advisory, they're, they're a regulatory body. No government body is in the business of closing their businesses. They will look for you to be compliant if you are in breach um, and if you follow the procedures and if you know if you have a conversation with them, they will work with you. Yes, you may be fine, but it will be proportionate to, to what's happened. Um, they are very, very clever people. So what I would find is communication with them is, is key. Um, trying to pretend if you had a data breach that it didn't happen or, or if it comes to them through another channel, obviously they're going to take a much dimmer view that you didn't take the appropriate steps because that, that signals that you haven't got appropriate data management in place. But I would feel that they're very much bringing, particularly for those smaller businesses and, and for people who, who don't have 20 million to pay fines, um, they're, they're not trying to crucify anybody. They're trying to get everybody to comply. That's their job is to, to get compliance up. So I think it's very much advisory. It's helpful. Yes, if you have serious breaches and if you don't follow the proper procedures, you're going to get fined. There, there has to be a punitive aspect to what they do. But I, I think initially, as, as, and again, the reason they, they give the advice in April they could quite easily have just started leveling pines back in 2018. There was there was, no, there was no cooling off period. They said, right, let's give everybody a chance to evolve and adapt. They did. Then they went and said, let's look and see if that's happened. Okay, it hasn't in this particular aspect in regards to cookies. It hasn't happened to the degree they, they require or the EU require. So they issued advice. They say, listen, everybody needs to wake up and get on with this. And then they say, right, from October, six months later, we're now going to have to start going down this road because unless we see people move, they, they have to do their job. But no, very much, I, I think they're there to educate, support, they'll bring us on, they're there to protect, that's, that's a huge part. and the, the value of our data is immense and I think people are only just starting to to see that. So I, I wouldn't see them as uh, an enforcement agency. That's, that's part of their, their remit, but certainly not the only part.
0: And that was Niall Kitson chatting with David McAvoy, the founder of DMAC Media. That's almost it for our show this week. In Apple tradition, just one more thing, Niall. One more thing,
2: which you probably won't get to see over here, but you will talk about anyway very briefly, is the new HomePod. uh, Looks at nice circular looking smart speaker. I've got the Google version at home. Uh, I'm waiting on the uh, Amazon version. Please, Apple, just send it over here.
0: For the the big showdown. Uh, You get the lowdown on that and all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters, and more at our website, techcentral.ie. Or, of course, listen to us online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1X. John, next time. From myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson, thanks so much for listening and have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie.